0: Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home freebirth free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBACs, especially home births, and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, everybody. Thanks for another coming to another episode I almost got a little bit jumbled up there I've got amazing Christy on the show today and Christy has amazing stories to tell us today she had a home birth after seven cesareans but she didn't just go and have one home birth she went and had a few home births so this is like an amazing story I have not heard this story Christy And I've been waiting for this because we booked in a few months ago. I've been really excited about this. So thank you so much for coming on. Would you please Uh, let us know a little bit about you?
1: Yes. My name's Christy and um, I have 10 children. I homeschool. Um, I first seven C-sections and the last three have all been home births. And... Um. My time is I don't even have any outside hobbies, I don't think. <laughs> My time is
0: pretty consumed with these kids. Your children are your hobbies and your and your life's your life's work. Yes. Before we get started on your actual stories, I really am interested in how you go with having 10 children. How how is life and how do you manage to get through it all if you're happy to kind of share I'm always very interested in larger families and people consider me having a large family with three children and if you have four children well that's just um outrageous you know what I mean and then we oh, home yeah. on top so people are always like oh you're a super mom you're this you're that and I'm like no well, this is normal life for us yes do you get that it, a lot uh, oh yes
1: all yes. the time yeah. Definitely. I I honestly never even saw myself having this life. I never thought I'd homeschool or have 10 children. But mm-hmm. <laughs> God had other plans and it's a I feel like the reason I'm able to do it is just I have all different ages from 27 down to 1. Wow. And, and so I have so much help and they they're all really great kids. They're all really helpful. And I have a husband who's extremely helpful as well. So that makes life
0: a lot easier. (laughs) Wow. I just, I love it. I was watching 22 and counting. I don't know if you've seen that show. They've got 22 children and counting and it just, and like that family seems to run so smoothly. I've watched a lot of like bigger families and I just, some of them are really like chaotic and crazy when they've got lots of little children but when you've got the bigger children you can see how helpful that is um oh well so what are the ages of your children then i have 27 24 18
1: 15 11
0: 9 7 5 3 and 1 wow so you've got a yeah. broad range of ages there and you remembered them all which is great I know <laughs> not always but I did it always did changes to... <laughs> it's always changing, it? when a birthday comes and you've got to recalculate and reshuffle oh what yes. a blessing. well I am excited to hear your story so let's start with number one and how all that came about well I was 17 when I got
1: pregnant with my first, so I knew nothing about nothing (laughs) and um, I had a really great pregnancy with him, but then I hit 41 weeks and the doctor said, well, you've been pregnant long enough. Let's induce. And I was in that mindset of um, this doctor went to school for this. He obviously knows more. I'm going to do whatever he says. And so I went in for the induction and I hit about four centimeters and decided I wanted an epidural. Um, I continued to dilate well. And then I hit eight centimeters and just stopped dilating and his heart rate started dropping. So we went in for an emergency C-section. And the very first thing the doctor said was, oh my goodness, you have the smallest pelvic opening I've ever seen. Thank God I was here. And my in my mind, I thought, "Oh, well, I am thankful that I'm here." And who would have thought I'm too small to have babies? I mean, I am a small person. I'm only five one, so I, it just made sense. And my baby had an extreme cone head, so everything just made sense to me. That oh, he was trying to get through that birth canal, but he couldn't because my pelvis is too small. And I had zero regrets about that C-section. I was very thankful that you know i was in a hospital and um i would have considered that back then a very good birth i had a great recovery um all went well
0: so that's basically the first one and you want me going on number two absolutely so because we've got so many to go through just for the audience yeah. listening we're going to go really quickly through the through them but I'm actually writing down questions because I would like to ask a couple of things by the time we get to the end that I think maybe the listeners will want to ask or want to know so yeah let's just go straight to birth number two okay. yeah
1: yes yeah, so with number two I had a friend who um, said why don't you try for a VBAC I had never even heard that term And so I asked my doctor, I had a new doctor this time, and I asked him if I could have a VBAC. He looked at my medical records and he said, no, you're not a good candidate because your doctor noted that you had the smallest pelvic opening he'd ever seen. And so I, again, I'm totally fine with that. I'm just like, okay, you know, need another C-section. That's fine with me. And another great pregnancy, another great C-section and, um, zero grits. I wasn't one of those people who had a strong desire for a natural birth. I really didn't care. (laughs) So I had her and then we were done. We thought (laughs) and several years (laughs) go by and I get pregnant again. (laughs) And by this time I'm giving my life to God. And so I prayed about a doctor to go to and he led me to this doctor and, um, I go see her. And at this point, I'm not even thinking about a VBAC because I've had two C-sections. I know my pelvis is too small. I'm I'm just like happy to have another C-section. And this happened to be a doctor who was known for doing the best C-sections in the state. And so I thought, oh, well, this is great. And I had my third C-section. Again, it went great. Um, and at that point, I was going to have my husband have a vasectomy and then God convicted us both and so at that point we decided to let God decide how many children we had so when i went back for my postpartum visit i asked that doctor i said so how many c sections can i have and she said well you can have as many as you want to have you know the way i do them it it's not harmful i've done up to 9 like she had zero issues with me having
0: continued C sections. Oh, and she'd done up to nine before, and she was yeah she done it nine. Wow. Yeah,
1: and she was. I mean, she never mentioned any risk associated with multiple, yeah, um, C sections or anything. So I just happily kept going in that direction, and I had my fourth C section. Now, with this one, this was my only C-section where I was in the OR for over an hour, and I asked her, like, what took so long? And she said, oh, it's just, you know, you got a lot more scar tissue to go through having had four C-sections, but again, recovery went well, and I'm just trusting my doctor. Um, I was one of those people that trusted everything the doctor said and didn't really think for myself at that point much I just thought they're the experts absolutely
0: absolutely that's what society deems as the experts and it's interesting because here in Australia most of the obstetricians say three or four is kind of the maximum and they they themselves hmm. will say you know it gets riskier and that's when we don't want women to and I've had Uh, stories well my own sister-in-law had a had four c-sections she got berated in hospital when she was having her fourth and it's like you pushed her in this direction and these there are increased risks it's so interesting that those risks weren't provided to you like as the doctor identified there was more scar tissue that means there's a longer cesarean that puts you at higher risk for xyz that's really interesting um, that they didn't yeah. give you those details
1: yeah they I never heard one negative and I didn't think twice about it because I was having really good c-sections and by my fifth c-section I was starting to learn about natural health and so I started learning about ways to support my body through surgery and my c-sections actually started getting even better um fifth went really well the sixth c-section was amazing like I I didn't need pain meds in the hospital I was up walking no problems I had to force myself to lay down because I kept thinking okay Christy you just had surgery you know you need to lay down but I felt so good and it I was like wow you know God's really taking care of me because these C-sections are going great.
0: <laughs> but you were taking care of you, weren't you? So would you mind sharing yes. what you were doing to take care of yourself? Because regardless of sure. C section or vaginal birth, this is super important information that women need to hear.
1: Oh yeah. I yeah, I love sharing how to make your c-sections easier. Um I would start taking, let's see. Did I take it? I would take Arnica bromelain um i feel like i started the arnica a few days before the surgery and then after surgery i was taking the arnica the i don't know if i'm saying that right bromelain or bromelin. it's the pineapple extract okay
0: thing. <clears throat>
1: i was taking that and i took natural calm magnesium um i drank lots of water and just tried to eat good foods
0: so, through pregnancy, was- you were drinking lots of water and eating whole foods. And then before the surgery or before birth, you were doing some extra herbs and supplements. Is that right? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. And
0: they just
1: made, I would say, the arnica, the bromelain, and the magnesium just made so much difference. Because with my first C sections, I did usually have to spend the first week or so in the recliner because I couldn't quite get up out of bed without help. And I didn't have that issue at all um, after I started those things. And they just went, I mean, minimal bleeding with my fifth C-section. The nurse said, the nurse that was in the OR, she said, I am just so shocked by your uterus you look like you've only had one baby and you have such minimal bleeding and it another thing I did a lot of starting with number five is the raspberry leaf tea
0: but okay yeah and it, it I'm thinking really well. as you have more children you might be more active as well do you think that you were physically more active because you're getting older as well so the the huh? story goes that as you get older it's harder like you know, generally when you're seventeen, you've got you're in your prime, whereas as you get older towards thirty and you're getting towards forty, obviously you're not towards forty yet through this birth. Um, but as you get older, it's supposed to be harder. Do you think that your physical activity was picking up as you were having more children to run after? I mm,
1: no, I mean, through pregnancy probably. I am one of the people though that I take my postpartum period very seriously and I I lay in bed as much as I can. Good. <laughs> and I I've never had any problems with like prolapse or anything like that, but I wow. I'm very slow to get back into life when I'm postpartum.
0: Have you did you ever have an infection or anything like that or were you ever put on antibiotics?
1: No. Wow. No. Nope. They all went really, really well. Okay. Um, until, but then we get to number seven.
0: <laughs> okay. So have we had number six yet? Yes.
1: Yeah, six was okay. the one that was absolutely amazing. Okay. Uh, up and walking around right afterwards. Then I get pregnant with number seven. But by this point, I am over 35. I've had multiple C-sections. So in addition to my regular OB, I had a high risk doctor that I went and saw and this was the first time to ever have um, the high-risk doctor and the first time I saw him was at my 12-week ultrasound and they did the ultrasound the lady said everything looked great and then the doctor came in and he I could just tell by the look on his face I was like oh something is not right and he spent about 45 minutes telling me About placenta accreta, how he was sure I had that, and he was so shocked I had never heard of that before, which I hadn't. I my doctor never mentioned placenta accreta, so he's explaining what it was and he's explaining how dangerous this is, and don't you know you could die? And I can't believe someone let you have this many C sections, and um, just going through this whole this whole thing, and he he has this whole plan. He's like here's what we're going to do. We're going to deliver or we're going to start steroids at 32 weeks, deliver at 34 weeks and do a complete hysterectomy. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of information. I'm only 12 weeks along. Yeah.
0: And but, you were seeing your other obstetrician at the same time, right? Yes. And mm.
1: I actually had an appointment with her the next day. And I told her everything that he said. And she said, oh, he's just being dramatic. Like, there's no way to tell that at this point in time. Let's <laughs> not even worry about it right now. Um, That's not confusing, is it? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And every time I, I had so many ultrasounds with that baby. And he was always convinced that I, you know, he would show me on the ultrasound where I had listened to Krita. And he was like, you see right here, you know, you're, it's going into your uterus, it's going into your scar. And um, my OB still was not convinced. And I managed to, I, I managed to get out of the steroid shots because she was a very, the type of OB that just, she really tried to let you do what you want. And so I told her, like, I don't want to do steroids. I don't want to deliver it 34 weeks. And we talked this high-risk doctor into going to 37 weeks. And I still didn't even want to do that. I said, I told my regular OB, I said, can I at least go to 38 weeks? And she said, well, can I ask why you want to do that? And I said, I just feel like my baby's not going to be ready at 37 weeks. Mm. And she said, oh, I deliver all the time at 37 weeks. You know, babies are fine at this point. And she said, I can't go against what he says for liability reasons Mm -hmm. and that right there told me okay y'all can't do what's in my best interest and that was probably the point where my view on doctors started changing because they're bound to certain things you know and you can't always do what the patient is wanting so I had my c-section at 37 weeks um it was A very scary day just because we had so many extra people in the room. Um, You know, the blood set aside. I had to sign the form for a hysterectomy. But my doctor did tell me. I had told her previous to C-section. I said, why does he want to do a hysterectomy? And she said, well, I think he thinks you should be done having children. And I said, well, promise me you won't do a hysterectomy unless it's needed. And she you know, I've had this doctor for a
0: long time. she was like, I, I promise you, I won't. So we go on for the C-section. I just want to say like, that's not his choice to make. Yeah. That he has decided yeah. that you're done and that for whatever reason, like that's his choice to make. Like that's, that's horrific. Like when you think about it, that they think oh, yeah. that they have a right to your choices on how many children you're going to have because they don't think that they would have that many or whatever the bias is yes yes and
1: with my on my last appointment I had with him before that birth he told me he said even if everything is fine and it comes out you do not have this I just want you to know that if you ever have any more children you're playing Russian roulette with your life and so i had that in the back of my mind but we get to that c section that day
0: well, have, and have you I, after all of these extra appointments all of these scans being told every single appointment that you your placenta is attached to the previous c section scar how were you how were you feeling going into that c section
1: well i was praying about this the whole time. And I really felt like God was saying, This is all about fear. There's nothing actually wrong with you. So I really felt like nothing was actually wrong. And they were just taking all these precautions because it was a seventh C section. Mm. And uh, sure enough, I was right. I get in for that C section and the placenta comes right out.
0: And there. Do you think your last experience? being the six was such a positive experience and you'd had such positive experiences. You also had that trust and knowing that everything had been fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I had never had a reason to think anything could ever go wrong. I mean, I, I I honestly can say I loved my (laughs) C-sections, but it, it's basically the, you know, they, it was them who were, wasn't even my OB. It was the other doctor just so yeah. scared of that many C-sections because you don't see that every day. Yeah. But, but when I had that C-section, um, we, I was supposed to do skin to skin for the first time. That was a new thing at that hospital. And I was excited about that because I had never experienced it before, but my baby wasn't breathing well.
0: Hmm.
1: and I had told you know I had told that doctor I don't feel like he's going to be ready at 37 weeks because I am one of those people that carries a little bit longer usually yeah
0: yeah because your first was 41 yeah
1: yeah Yeah. and so he ended up going to the NICU and like I kind of said before my postpartum periods I I love them I I just take it easy for like a month And I never had postpartum depression. I just, it's one of my favorite parts. But this one, you know, I'm dealing with a baby in the NICU. Mm. And I'm having to pump and I'm having to transition him back to the breast after he got used to the bottle. Because he was in there for six days. Mm. And I was really angry after that. (laughs) Because I was like, I tried to tell you guys that he wasn't ready and now I'm sitting here in the NICU with my baby and I have six other kids at home Mm. and this is because of y'all yeah because you were scared and one of the questions I asked my doctor in the NICU when she came to visit um, I said so how did my uterus look and she said what do you mean and I said well was it thin and she said well of course it was thin you just carried a baby for nine months so I kind of blew that whole myth out of the water about the thin uterus mm. thing so yeah. I was like well, okay that, yeah that makes sense
0: <laughs> but <laughs> she wasn't worried she'd given you confidence that everything was a, a- okay right
1: yeah yeah she, so you know and the c-section although it did go very well the epidural I had um, I don't know if it was because I was so incredibly tense from everything, but it did something to my neck. And it honestly just, I had pain for a whole year in my neck. And I, after that, I was scared to have another epidural. And so that really what I was thinking after that point was, um, I'm, I'm done having kids. Like, I know I told God I would let him decide, but I'm done. (laughs) You know, the doctor said I could die if I had any more. That was not a good experience. I think I'm just ready to be done. But, you know, I prayed about it. And I just felt like God kept saying, you know, trust me to take care of you. And so I decided to do that. And I got pregnant with number eight. At my usual, I have, I've had a baby every two years Mm -hmm. since my fifth and i got pregnant and i just told god you know what you just lead the way i will do whatever you want me to do lead me to a doctor who will take care of me who won't operate out of fear or you know if your will is a midwife then make that happen although i really don't see that how that could ever happen i just wanted god to lead the way for that eighth one and um i got an appointment with i don't know if you're familiar with dr cummings in texas but
0: no. very well
1: known doctor here okay and he's no i don't think he's practicing anymore but he used to do the backs after multiple c-sections and so i thought that's where god was leading i got into his office when people said it would be really hard to do and I, he was two hours from me but I was willing to make that drive just to have a doctor who didn't operate out of fear.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So I went down and saw him and he came in the room and introduced himself. And then he looked down at the sheet and he immediately looked up at his nurse and said, how did she get in here? (laughs) And I thought, Oh, this isn't going well. (laughs) And so he explained to me that,
0: um, I have an awesome, amazing workshop coming up and guess what? It's free. It's called empowering your VBAC. Are you curious or planning a VBAC? Of course you are. Cause you're listening to this podcast. And I'm guessing you want to learn as much as you can to give yourself the best chance at achieving your vaginal birth after C-section two. Do you want to rock your VBAC and birth on your terms? If you said yes to any of the above, you are in the right place and you'll be with kindred spirits in this workshop too. Come and join me live in this workshop where we'll dive deep into the world of VBAC. You can also ask all of your questions on the workshop live. That's the beauty about coming. You can ask your personalized questions and I can give you an individualized response. I can't wait to see you there. Check out the show notes and I'll see you there live.
1: It, because of hospital policy, you, you know, I can't just do this. And he said, I'll take it before the hospital board. But, you know, seven C-sections is a lot. And I said, well, just tell me this, are my risks higher with another C-section or with a V-back? And he said, honestly, at this point, your risks are about the same either way. Mm -hmm. That gave me comfort Mm -hmm. to know that if I did, if God did open the doors for a V-back, you know, I'm not doing something that's extremely, you know, I mean, either way I go, I've got a risk. So it just gave me comfort.
0: And it's interesting that at this point, too, because, um, you know, closer the other way, there's less chance of, you know, there's less risk for uterine rupture and all of those sorts of things. And mm -hmm. interesting that he said at this point for somebody who supported vaginal birth, was it that he supported vaginal birth after multiple?
1: I think so. I mean, he was very well known for doing VVACs.
0: And were you going so, to him for VBAC or were you going to him for surgery at this point?
1: Well, he was also known to be um, a Christian and uh, I had read that he prayed with his patients. Mm-hmm. And so I had decided that I would go to him either way because it was important to me that I did have So I thought, well, it'd be great to have someone praying with me, even if I have another C-section um I just did not want the same experience I had before where everyone was so scared
0: yeah and the so, last obstetrician wasn't scared was she it was just that she was bound by her whatever policies that she had to have this high risk doctor come in and then she couldn't deliver later which is what you wanted yes yeah yeah,
1: yeah she she herself was a good OB but um yeah. And not one that operated out of fear but I had made a decision to go with this doctor either way but he had told me you know I need to take this before the board and then I will get back with you mm. and this I think is a a god deal um
0: because when he, oh did I lose you hello no I've just put myself oh, on. okay <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: My low battery light came on. um. So he called me back. And. He just started. Talking things that I. You know I'm not going to get caught up in this. Facebook mumbo jumbo. And I'm not going to help you. And totally out of character for this guy. And I, I was so confused. And I really thought. I think he's got me mixed up with somebody else. But. When he said he couldn't help me, I said, well, can I at least come to you for a C-section? And he said, well, you can, but I, I'm just going to tell you that, you know, nobody's really going to fully support you here. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And so I decided, okay, that's not not the path to take. And I continued to pray. And i I started seeking out midwives oh my goodness I seeked out so many midwives (laughs) (laughs) I mean all the midwives I thought in my state all the midwives in the surrounding states and every single one told me no most of them it was just you know we can't do this for liability reasons and um, so I reached a point where I was just like I've exhausted all my options and I said God I I don't know where you're leading, but I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy my pregnancy, and just let me know something by 13 weeks,
0: and that's what I did. Very early in your pregnancy. Yes, I did all those. Okay. Yeah, I was
1: very early in the pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was really wanting to know which way to go, but I finally just gave up, and then. The day I turned 13 weeks, I had forgot I was even 13 weeks, but I was on Facebook and I was in this group called, I think it's the Indie Birth Group. Oh, yeah. And I, I happened to ask, I'm like, does anybody know someone who would support a VBAC after seven C-sections um, in Oklahoma? And a lady came on and she said, I'm going to private message you because I know somebody who can help you. And I was kind of leery and shocked at the same time, because that's not (laughs) what I had heard. (laughs) So, but she contacts me. And one of the things I had told God, um, I said, if you are leading me to a home birth, because I had had some, a couple midwives in different, like faraway states offer to help me. And I said, I, God, I don't want to do that. If you're leading to a midwife, then can she please be like within an hour away <laughs> and so I'm talking to this lady on Facebook messenger and um she says I you know I'm training under this midwife and I know she'll help you and she was like just come meet with us tomorrow and it turns out she was like 45 minutes from me and I'm like how did I not find this woman before <laughs> mm. but you know, she was, she is an unlicensed midwife and, um, you no, know, I guess that made her harder to find. I'm not sure. Did you say she was
0: unlicensed? Yes. Okay.
1: So yeah, she, was, she
0: to be registered and then she's can't like can a sort of registration or she just was never, um, registered to begin with.
1: I honestly don't
0: know.
1: I don't know a lot. About all of that. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if she was or if she, I don't actually have any idea.
0: Okay.
1: But I went to see her the next day and she said, Well, you know, I'm going to. I told her my story and she kind of told me about the whole pelvis being too small thing and why that isn't actually a thing most times. And she said, I'm going to go home, pray about this with my husband. You go home, pray about it, and then we'll just go from there. And so after we all prayed about it, we felt like, yeah, this is the path to take. And so I started care with her. And um, she, you know, we spent every visit just kind of going over why she felt she had done many VBAC births. And she went over why. It's not as risky as it seems. Why the uterine rupture is, you know, not as big of a deal as they make it out to be. And so I just spent every visit learning more and more about all of these things, which gave me peace. And I went into labor at 40 weeks and six days. And it was absolutely beautiful birth it was a little long like one thing um, I went into labor at about 10 30 at night Mm -hmm. and I labored through the night and then that next morning I stopped and my midwives just kind of hung out in my living room and they said you know I was like oh my gosh my labor stopped you know, was I not in labor? And my midwife was like, no, you were in labor. This is, you know, very common. The sun comes up and our bodies just stop. And she goes, you'll start, you know, laboring again this evening. She's like, we're just all going to rest and take it easy. And so that's what we did all day. And then about four thirty, my labor started back up and I had him at ten ten. And I mean, no tearing, no complications. Um, It
0: was an amazing birth.
1: Wow!
0: Yeah, it was. How did you feel leading up to leading to having your first vaginal birth? Because you knew what it was like having a C-section, and then there's some fears that might creep in, like vaginal tearing, or what if I can't do this? What if my pelvis really is too small? What if I have rupture? How did you deal with some of those things and How did you kind of switch your mindset into trusting your body to have a vaginal birth at home?
1: I think one, my the biggest thing was my relationship with God and just knowing that He was leading me there. Mm. And two, the knowledge that I had gained over those months learning about these things and it was even amazing to see it because I, I still had this thought of even though my midwife was saying, you know, it's very rare for a pelvis to actually be too small to birth a baby. I still kept thinking about how small I was and how my baby had such a big cone head. And I thought, you know, who's right, the doctor or the midwife? <laughs> and, but when I was in labor, one of the things my kids kept commenting on wow mom look at how wide your hips are spreading <laughs> and it was it was an amazing thing to see like my hips just spread open wow your and that. the other thing yeah they noticed it everybody noticed it and that was my only home birth where we actually everyone noticed whoa your hips really just spread mm. and the other thing I kind of was fearful about because of my seventh C-section was, well, what if my placenta doesn't come out? And so I had been praying and I'd been like, God, just please let my placenta come right out when it's done doing its job. And sure enough, it did. So it was never even a worry or anything. Um, it came out shortly after the baby. Um,
0: I just think it was a combination of those two things, God and knowledge. Mm and having your mid, it sounds like your midwife was supportive and she was providing you education and, and nurturing your self-belief and trust.
1: Yes. And I do want to mention that too, because um, support played a huge role in that with my midwife. It was my midwife. And then I had um, the person that she was training. And then there was another midwife who just sat in, but I didn't really see her throughout the The pregnancy and my husband so I had three midwives there and my husband and everyone was so supportive and these midwives not once through the whole pregnancy or the birth ever acted scared and I I don't know they may have been but I never saw it they were always full of support for what I wanted and they didn't look at me or talk to me like i was crazy like i had gotten so much in those first few weeks of pregnancy um because most people were like you're crazy for even thinking about having a v-back after seven c-sections
0: did you tell people you were planning to do this
1: i did on line a lot because i was looking for support so i was just asking in tons of groups (laughs) and most people would say you're not going to find help for that you know the only you know people said if anybody's going to help you it's going to be dr cummings Mm. and nobody ever said a midwife would help me and
0: so but yeah the support was huge um this goes to show that you know We had this thing the other day, me and my kids, we planned to go to this water park and it was closed down. And then I I said they were very upset, so I called another place to see. It was like a tourist park um, to see if they do day Mm -hmm. passes. And I said to my children afterwards when they said, yeah, we do, and this is how much it costs and that, I said, now, what was a lesson that we've learned, girls? And my oldest said to me, to never give up, mum, to never give up. There's, yes. a, when you, when there's a will there's a way and I really feel that some of us we will try a couple of midwives and get bounced back and that's it that's as far as the resilience goes but you really gave yeah. it your all in hunting down like you didn't take it personally you probably you, know, you might have but you really you searched high and low and you continue to put yourself out there to find the right person yeah. for you which is a challenging thing to do oh yes very so well, well done to you for really looking for that person high and low and not just going out there a couple times and saying oh well that's it I've tried
1: yeah I yeah I just I think the experience I had you know I'm honestly thankful that the seventh c-section went the way it did with all that fear because it just drove me more to find someone who's not scared of even if I had another c-section because at this point like doctors were scared of you know a c-section or be back and so I was just like I have to find somebody who is not scared of me having had this many c-sections and I was determined to find uh, find where God was leading me. I honestly was in complete shock. It was a home birth because that wasn't even in my mind. <laughs> I really thought God was going to lead me to a doctor. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm after that experience, I realized one how much I love vaginal birth, something I never even thought about. And how much I love having my babies at home. Just such a beautiful, beautiful experience.
0: Mm, so beautiful. And I'm just wondering, like, did how did you get your husband on board for this drastic change of <laughs> birthing situation? And, and how, how did that go down? Well, fortunately, he is just a very laid-back person
1: who – he knows I pray about everything. And so he never quite, he's like, I'm never going to stop you from doing what God's calling you to do. And so he's always just been, I will support you no matter what you're doing. And he did. He, he just, he didn't even seem to have any fear, but I can honestly say, I think he just too, doesn't have a lot or didn't have a lot of knowledge of birth and c-sections and home births and you know he didn't he wasn't aware of any of the fears really so he just like okay we'll do this and I think the midwives really eased his any fears he might have (laughs) had
0: when it came to your medical care with your midwife what sort of medical care did you have for this pregnancy
1: um, just routine prenatal visits and checks. Um, as well. Not, huh? E any. Not cause...
0: vaginal.
1: Stuff. Yeah. So did just you have routine, any spins?
0: No.
1: no, I had no ultrasounds with that one. I did with, um, that hadn't been the case with all of my home births, but with that one, I requested not to have any ultrasounds. Um, we didn't have any vaginal checks at the end. Um, the only thing she really checked was like the urine tests when you go in for the prenatals, and you know heart tones and fetal positioning and things like that. And then when I was in labor, she did check for dilation, but she did not do it. Uh, internally, she did something looking at my back.
0: Yeah, right of my back. looking for the purple line. I can't remember yes what that's it yeah okay awesome that was really cool to hear and so you had no and so how did you didn't want to have any scans and was that why was that were you were you worried about the placenta being attached to the c-section or you just wanted to completely not worry about that
1: no it well I really felt like God told me that that wouldn't be an issue my reason for not wanting ultrasounds was because I had had so many with the previous one and he had showed um, some speech delay concerns and I had just read something that that could be linked. And I was just like, you know what? I I just don't want to do any ultrasounds this time around. And um, she was, you know, fine with whatever I wanted to do she basically just let me decide what I wanted what I didn't want with that one I did show I chose no ultrasounds
0: Hmm. and by this point you would have known anyways from the movement of the baby if you had an anterior or a posterior placenta I'm imagining were you able to identify that oh yes she actually um
1: Now I remember she was able, she would listen to the heart tones of the baby and then she would show me um, where the placenta was and we would, she would be like, these are the not heart tones of the placenta, but whatever, I don't know where you can tell with the um, fetal thing. (laughs) I don't know the names of any of this stuff, but she could tell where the placenta was positioned in my womb. And it was up high. Okay. So we knew. And when she would put the, is it the tesis, (laughs) scope? I don't know what you call that. Yes. When she would put it near my scar, you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear heart tones. You couldn't hear blood flow. It was very silent down there. And that really reassured me because she was able to show me exactly where the placenta was. And it was way up high. And so I really... Nobody had any concerns of placenta accreta with that one.
0: Yeah, and that's so interesting because, of course, there probably are ways. I've never heard of this before, but that makes sense because one of the you can one of the problems is when women do their own. Sometimes what they're picking up is the placenta, the reading of the blood pumping through, rather than the actual heartbeat of the baby, um, which is why it's important that somebody who knows what they're doing is actually taking the readings. Yeah. Um, and I think once you've had a couple of babies, for me, I had two anterior placentas with my first two babies. So I was really worried like, oh, in my free birth, this is the going to be the thing, right? I'm going to have this awful thing happen and then it's going to be out of my control and I'm not going to get to have my vaginal birth. But I had a posterior placenta that time because I could feel so much more kicking than I could with my first two. This baby was mm-hmm. wild because, there was no cushioning, mm-hmm. stopping the you know cushioning the baby. Yeah. So I was like, of all the times that I have an anterior placenta, it was when I was having my vaginal free birth, when I was worried about that that thing, but I could just tick it off. Yeah, and it was all yeah. confirmed through scan, but I didn't need to have it uh, confirmed through scan. Just like you didn't need to. There are ways that we can pick up on these things, whether it's through listening to our body, connecting with our body and our baby, or having a midwife like you have, um, you know, belly mapping and, and using instruments at home.
1: Yes, and it, it, it amazes me that, you know, with my 7th C-section, I I don't even know how many ultrasounds I had, but it was a lot. And I'm like, you had to give me all those ultrasounds to confirm placenta accreta that you were actually wrong about. Yeah. When you could have done it. The other way without the ultrasound and having that continue, I don't really see anything wrong with ultrasounds, but I do when you have that many. I just don't think it's good to have that many.
0: It also goes to show that ultrasounds are not black and white. It's not this is definitely the case. So we're we're using an instrument that isn't even evidence-based. It's not yeah. accurate. We're just it's just guessing and fishing and fearing yes. women with incorrect information you were told multiple times that you had that and you did not have that and yeah. so what was the purpose of using it's like I mean a lot of the time obstetricians want to call midwives woo-woo or whatever they want to say yeah. thinking that they're superior with their technology and people say this all yeah. the time with science but if you're not using something that actually is evidence-based and actually works, then it's no different. It's no different at yeah. the end of the day. You may as well do the old wives tales and you know, guessing the baby. I know. And those sorts of things If you if it's not accurate. And so really it's kind yeah. of making a mockery of themselves. But I mean it's it's really interesting and it's really cool that your midwife was able to provide all that and give you that reassurance. And So that was baby number eight and you walked away from that one. How did you feel in your postpartum? Well, okay. I will say because, you know, I did have such
1: amazing C-sections that my first VBAC recovery, it was rough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was rough because I wasn't, you know, I had a swollen vagina and I had hemorrhoids and I was just like, whoa, this is not anything I've ever experienced before. Mm. And I had no, you know, I didn't take any kind of pain meds or anything. And, uh, it took, it just took a long time for my body to, I think it's about six months. I feel like for my body to feel normal again. Mm. So that recovery was a little rough, but and when you say body, you I so you know,
0: that. sort of area, like down in your, your va- you know, vaginal area or yes. other things? I was so swollen. Yeah.
1: Um, no, it was, it, it was merely just the fact that I was so swollen down there after his birth that I had to stand up to pee mm-hmm. in the shower. It was just uh, so swollen and I had never experienced hemorrhoids before and I had mm-hmm. those and. Um, although I didn't tear, I had I think it's called a skid mark. I don't know, it was Williams just like a something. little yeah, um but it was and it kind of was painful, so I it was just like it would hurt to sit down and um, I wasn't prepared for being that exhausted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was so exhausted after his birth that I felt like I couldn't even speak. <laughs> Wow! I just because I had been in labor for a long time and um, so it was a rougher recovery but one thing I love one I love that I was able to just recover go straight to bed and the second thing that I noticed after that birth was my baby was super alert and So I noticed that. And it was at that point that I realized how drugged my other babies actually looked Mm. as he was so alert. I mean, right when he came out, this boy was just looking around and so wide eyed. And the other thing I noticed, I remember saying to my midwife after a few days, I said, you know, I've always had good postpartum experiences. I I love my babies so deeply and I'm so in love after birth, but something is different with this one. Like I want to explode with how in love I am with this baby. Mm. And I said, what, why does it feel so different? And she said, because you didn't have all those drugs suppressing that hormone. And it, I've noticed that with all my home births, like I, I love all my babies insane, but Mm. it, the bond is different than my c-section babies yeah even though i feel i like bonded well with my c-section babies yeah
0: it's just different they say that you know that's one of the things that a lot of people who talk about well dr sarah buckley talks about with their hormones is that and i experienced with my c-sections a a, a deep love and bond i didn't have any troubles bonding with my baby and you know being able to have that with no I mean no drugs and all those sorts of things afterwards many women say the same things which is interesting um it's interesting that you had that experience too
1: oh yeah it was amazing I I just wasn't prepared for that and I wasn't
0: prepared to see a baby so alert after birth you then went on to have another baby.
1: Yes, um, I went on to have number nine, and I chose with this one to kind of go the same route and not do any ultrasounds, not really um, do much testing or anything. I, I can't say it went. I mean, it was kind of a rough. Pregnancy. I tend to have a little bit of iron issues in some of my pregnancies, and so I felt that going on. And uh, my midwife was working with me to remedy that. But, like, okay, like I said, I was one who I knew stays pregnant longer. With baby number nine, I my water broke the day before I turned thirty-seven weeks, and I just knew. Like this isn't so I my water broke it the day before I turned 37 weeks and I just knew something was not right. And I think my midwife knew something was not right as well. Um I did the same thing I did with my eighth baby. My water broke and then it was 24 hours before labor started. Same thing happened this time. Water broke. Um, But my labor didn't start until that evening. And with number eight, you know, it was a gradual increase in contractions. With baby number nine, right when my labor started, when the contractions started that night, it was really, really intense. And the contractions were just back to back. And I labored all night long with just these very, very painful back to back contractions and um with that baby i think because we were concerned she did do some vaginal checks and um, she was trying to listen for heart tones which listening for heart tones is something we didn't even do with baby number eight because we just didn't feel a need okay and so with this one we're listening for heart tones and she starts struggling to find heart tones and um i end up getting so exhausted I just kind of lay down in my bed and so this one I gave birth to on my back whereas the other one I was on my knees but the second I gave birth to her my midwife said call 911 and so I sat up in bed and she's not breathing and I had watched multiple birth stories where this had happened and it was kind of weird that I remember saying to my midwife during one of my prenatals, I was like, I'm watching birth stories and I'm trying to stick to the positive birth stories, but I keep running across these videos where the baby is born, not breathing, but then in a few minutes, you know, they they pink up and they start breathing and everything's fine. And I asked her what her protocol is for that. And she told me, well, then whenever this happened, she didn't do her protocol she went straight to call 911 and so i thought oh my gosh is you know this seems serious and she starts cpr and 5 minutes later the paramedics arrive and she's still not breathing and so at this point i'm just thinking i've lost you know i've lost my baby and um so the my husband goes with her Uh, not in the ambulance because this was during COVID, but follows her to the hospital. And as soon as she leaves, I said, let's, you know, let's go, let's go to the hospital. And she said, well, you have to, we have to get your placenta delivered. And she looks down and I'm hemorrhaging. And she says, okay, you know, you need to know that this is very common when you have traumatic births, you know, it's very common to start hemorrhaging. She starts giving me something. I can't remember what it was. But um, ultimately, the the decision was made to transfer me as well. So I go to the hospital. And the second they open up the um, back of the ambulance doors, some man ran up to me. And he was like, your baby's okay. And I just was so happy. But my husband, poor guy. He's at the hospital. He didn't even know that anything was wrong with me, and he said he's standing there on the phone with a midwife, and he sees this woman, these people running around the corner with this woman on a stretcher, and he's like, "It was my wife," <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, "What? Oh my gosh!" And so we go, or he didn't go in there, but I go into this room, and the doctor, I, I went to a very VBAC unfriendly hospital. Okay. And the OB, she's assessing me, I guess. And she says, what baby is this? And I said, baby number nine. And she said, all vaginal births. I wanted so bad to lie in that moment. (laughs) And I said, no. I said, no, I've had seven C-sections. She immediately jumps to this is placenta accreta. Okay. And she sticks her hand up in my vagina and tries to pull my placenta out. And that was the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life. And I jumped up off of the stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah. you will not do that to me. If you want to do anything else, you're going to have to knock me out. And she's yeah. like, well, I've given you morphine. And I said, no, you will have to knock me out. And so she said, okay, you know, prep the OR. And I go back to the
0: OR. And um, I just want to say, I had the same thing when I, with my yeah. friend, and it, I, I let them do it three times. It was the most excruciating pain, unmedicated. Yeah, it felt like a shovel going in and digging. Yes. It was so painful. And I said the same. I said, "I do not consent to this. I want to be put under." I was like, "I don't want to be awake for this. Yes, I want to." Yeah, it's were more painful <laughs> than birth. <laughs> I was like, "Just do it. I don't want to be. I don't want to be present."
1: <laughs> oh, it was. So well, I've never experienced something so painful in my life. So painful. But either. I wake up in recovery and um I had the easiest postpartum recovery that I have ever had in my life, which is amazing. And the doctor came in and, th- and this amazes me, and I think this is totally a god deal too. This, you know, like I said, it's a not a V back friendly hospital not a VBAC friendly OB and she came in my room and I said why did this happen and she said Christy I just want you to know this had nothing to do with your c-sections it had nothing to do with this being a VBAC these things just sometimes happen I didn't have placenta accreta I just had she said you had a sticky placenta yeah and she said I don't want you blaming yourself it's we don't know why these things happen and I said, "Well, why was my daughter born not breathing?" And she was like, "That's another thing that it just happens sometimes, and we don't know why the fact that this doctor is saying this when she had the perfect opportunity to be like, "You did this. this is yeah. your fault. You almost killed your baby and yourself and yeah, um, she reassured me that you know this this just happens sometimes that's so and good. so so good yeah it was really good uh,
0: when you can be cruel to people and some people I hear a lot of stories where obstetricians are cruel
1: yes and that's what I was afraid of
0: yeah and
1: I uh, we were in the NICU 17 days and I never once encountered one person who was mean or anything I mean, they were all extremely nice to us and um it was an amazing experience and it was we didn't know what her quality of life was gonna be for a while. Um, so that was a very hard thing to go through. But she came through that completely perfect and I mean we both did.
0: Wow. She was perfect.
1: I came through it, you know, having that was my easiest recovery. And so, it was. It was definitely. Um, I don't know. Learned a lot from that experience.
0: <laughs> definitely learned a lot. I I want to ask because um you know we've we see a lot in the birth world about keeping the baby attached to the placenta so the baby can continue to get like oxygen and those sorts of things before they take their first breath. If this is happening, and I wonder how long it was until your midwife cut the cord in that situation do you know when she cut the cord obviously when the ambulance and everyone got there your baby was disconnected from you and taken away but was the baby still attached for a while or did the midwife cut the cord yeah. very quickly She that cord until the paramedics were ready to take her okay so she delayed cord clamping until paramedics were ready to take the baby and then how long did the baby not breathe for
1: Well, she was, I mean, she was doing CPR on her for the whole five minutes that she was home. And then I think they immediately came in and just took her to the ambulance and they started her on a vent. Um, When she got to the hospital, she was still not breathing on her own, but they did an x-ray and realized that they had put the vent too far down in her lungs and so once they fixed that she started breathing
0: oh wow okay well there you go mistakes happen don't they yes unfortunately your beautiful baby was didn't have any consequences from all of that as well which is good no
1: yeah the only thing I had like the only thing that we came out from that I think that you would know that something happened is I was not able to breastfeed her Okay. Um. She transitioned back to, or back. I wouldn't even say back to. She never had the breast at first, but she did not transition to the breast like her brother did when he was in the NICU.
0: Okay. So I was not able to breastfeed her, but I did pump for her. Was she on breathing very long, or what, what was happening in the NICU, and how long was she in there for?
1: She was there for seventeen
0: days. Um. She
1: immediately went to a cooling chamber when she got there because they didn't know how long she had been without oxygen um my midwife wasn't able to find heart tones like at the end of the labor but I think she had a a tiny heartbeat when she was born if I remember right I just remember her yelling something at the paramedic about like she has a heart rate of I don't know it was small but she had a heartbeat mm. but they put her in the cooling chamber Um, and they just kept you know saying this can go either way she could be completely brain dead she could be perfectly fine they said her right side of her brain wasn't functioning as well as her left and so there was some concerns but I just kept speaking life over this baby and she came through that she's one of my smartest kids honestly <laughs> <laughs> she's she's three now and she talks extremely well and she's just one of my most developed you know early developers um
0: mm. it's just been a busy and then you went on to have another babe
1: yes and oh my you know you know after the c set after my 1st VBAC, i started talking to a lot of women about birth but one area I could not relate to them on was traumatic birth experiences
0: mm.
1: well now I could add that to my list of <laughs> list of things that I can talk with women about
0: and because it's so hard when
1: you have a traumatic birth to, get past that and and get past the fears and um I did it with you know it's a prayer and I felt like God was saying I'm going to redeem her birth and so I started just really praying through that pregnancy through baby number 10 and um it was a great pregnancy and I went to 40 weeks and three days with that one
0: did you did you go with the same midwife this time
1: no I didn't I had the same midwife for the first two with the third one I switched to another midwife um because at this point it was very important for me to have all I kept thinking about was I want someone who is very spiritually minded and there was another midwife who just kind of met my needs more in that area. Okay. And so I went over. And um this one, I you know, I had prayed with my first two, I was so incredibly tired with those births. And so I with this one, I said, God, let me be well rested before I go into labor with this one. And I ended up going to labor at five thirty in the morning. And this was a quick one. He was born by 930 or before 930 Mm -hmm. in 906. And um, perfect. I mean, absolutely no problems with this one either. The postpartum, I still, the only thing that made this one, I'd say a little bit worse postpartum wives was because I had a little bit of tearing. He was almost 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of tearing with this one that I hadn't experienced. And, but overall it was still an amazing birth and amazing recovery and
0: um he definitely redeemed all of that. And and the midwife that you went to, did you fill her in on what happened in your last birth? Yes. And she was fine with oh, all yes. Of-
1: yes, she she's a type of person that definitely seeks God and um I think he gave her peace about helping me.
0: Okay. And
1: so um, I just knew that God was leading me to her for this one. And I know that God was leading me to the other midwife for the first one because she did have such an extensive amount of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I needed for that first one. But for the third one, I had been through so much trauma. Mm -hmm that I really just wanted the whole thing to be you know God focused and um, this midwife met that particular need
0: I'm not religious but I definitely see the surrendering and having trust that's the kind of terms that I use but a lot of the stuff that I teach in mindset and everything, it is all very similar to the practices that a lot of religious people do, the praying and and surrendering and having faith and speaking to God or speaking to yourself. It is the the most important part of the process, I think, when it comes to birth because there's only so much we can control. And it's definitely something as somebody with my personality, I struggled to... Surrender and let go to the experience. I've never surrendered and let go. I'm always trying to control the outcomes of everything. Me too. (laughs) Yes. But when you can surrender, it is just so peaceful and so calming to relinquish that you you can't control these outcomes regardless, anyways. You know the information. You cannot control whether your placenta is retained or your baby comes out breathing. Mm -hmm. You cannot even know that that will happen to you. You might have a feeling, but you're never going to know until you go through something. And so I really love with your story that you were constantly relinquishing over your perceived control to a higher power and being able to surrender and realize that a lot of that was out of your hands. And that you were, whether you're, you know, you're talking to God and asking him to lead you, but you know, I do the universe, but it's exactly exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. you know higher being, a universe, whatever it is. It's a higher power. Yeah. It's just such a powerful thing. I really love that about your story.
1: yes, I, I totally agree with you. It is it I am the type of person I like to control every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a beautiful thing
0: to surrender. And especially after the experience that you had with your ninth baby as well. Yeah.
1: I I'm actually now that I'm, you know, out of it, I've learned so much from it and I'm so thankful for it because, you know, used to I would talk to women and I just could not relate mm-hmm. with traumatic birth. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had never had any of those experiences and you know, it stops a lot of women who want to have babies from having more babies. It does. And unfortunately traumatic births are
0: way too common. <laughs> yeah. One in three here in Australia have traumatic births or birth trauma. And, you know, a lot of women, I think choose to have, I spoke with one recently, she had had very traumatic C-section. And so in, in her way of controlling the next birth, it was to choose another C-section. And so I think a lot of the time when we're not able to move through the trauma in time for our next baby, because if you're having babies close together or you're not able to seek support, sometimes we're just, we're going to the space where we feel like we can get the most control um, over that birth yeah. outcome and So, you know, we even though we might want to have a vaginal birth, we might want to have home birth, where sometimes women are choosing, and like you said, not to have other babies. And that's really sad that so many women are coming out of their experiences feeling that way and not being able to have the extra baby that they they really want to have or to have the home birth experience or the vaginal birth or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, birth can be so beautiful and um unfortunately you know you talk to most people and it's not that way
0: yeah it's, it's sad true yeah there's a lot of um birth trauma stories that women share and then if you want to share a positive it's like you know that's not really what we do here we only talk about the bad. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to, you know, I had it way worse and I had this experience. And it's like, mm-hmm. that isn't the, every woman's experience. And I would love to see more positive stories. And I love that you had positive C section births as well. That, yeah, it's not yeah. there's one way to birth or everyone has to birth a certain way. It's about mm-hmm. feeling good about the choices that she makes and being supported. I think here is the key. We see that when you weren't supported and you were getting fear induced that's where you had less positive experience as well and when you were being supported you were having more and we know that with um some current research that came out about birth trauma is that women wanted to be supported they wanted to feel heard and seen and you know it's so important
1: it is so important i i realized too what you know fear controls the majority of births, and it just with that seventh c-section I realized how bad it is when fear controls the situation yeah and it shouldn't be a part of birth I don't know I'm trying to trying to raise my daughters differently and you know show them that birth is beautiful And, and they've seen you know they went through that traumatic experience with me but Um they weren't traumatized by it. Mm. Because they've seen beautiful they they've most of the time they've seen me, you know, have great experiences even with c sections. So Mm. for them, I hope
0: they think birth is beautiful. (laughs) And I, I only have daughters, but I think that if I had a son, I'd want I think in ways it'd be more important for him to see that as well, because he will eventually more likely be with a woman and you know by having someone a man who's supportive of seeing those sorts of births I think is so powerful having a husband who's supportive my husband was really supportive of me he believed in (laughs) my ability to vaginally birth after two tries and ending up in surgical births and a lot of men are afraid and because it's not really man's business they tend to turn to the experts which are the obstetricians or the hospitals and so sometimes I see with women they struggle to be able to cross that bridge with their husbands so I think it's so important for boys to kind of um, understand all of that as well so they're knowledgeable.
1: You are so right and I had not really thought about that but I can't tell you how many women I've spoke with who um, a lot of the the issues they're facing are with their husband. Yeah. What
0: support with them and you definitely need them. So you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. We, especially in this modern world now that the husbands are coming into the births and the partners are coming in, they're coming in with their mother's trauma stories. They're coming in with, what happened in their birth they're coming in you know they're looking at their mothers did you breastfeed me did you you know how was I born and they're looking at the women in who are around them like their aunties and that and then if their wife had a first traumatic c-section or they ended up having this you know traumatic experience then they've only got those stories to go on and I've just recently been watching some interviews with men who have been at home births after c-sections and The experience for them is so profound as well. It's so healing for them to be part of it. My husband can't really articulate the words, but he had such an amazing bond with our baby that he caught in the water. And I think it was because he was part of it. He got to grab her first. He found out she was a girl before anyone else cut the cord. And and I think, like, it's life-changing for them as well.
1: That is so true, and I'm so glad you said that because I have six boys. (laughs) I have more boys than I do girls, (laughs) and it honestly something I hadn't thought of, but you're absolutely right. I hope I am showing my boys that. Um, My oldest is, uh, he's 27 now, but um, after the traumatic birth experience, he He's my boy that worries about me more than any of the others, so when I did get pregnant with number ten, there was a lot of fear, and only him, none of the other kids seemed to really seem affected, but he was so nervous and so scared that by the end he said, "Mom, I don't even want you to call me when you're in labor it my stomach's in knots, I feel like I want to puke. I just you know this is hard for me." And I almost caved and had a C-section at that point Mm -hmm. because I I thought I cannot do this to him. And so I prayed and I was like, God, you have to help him. And he ended up right in those, this was like right before my, my littlest was born. My oldest son ended up going to visit his best friend's brother who had just had a home birth of twins. And he was telling Um, He was like, oh, my mom's fixing to have a home birth and I'm so nervous something could go wrong and all this. And that that guy said, you know, don't even worry about it. Most of the time, home birth goes well. Don't even worry about it. You know, that was an isolated incident. It's not likely to occur again. Most of the time, it's a beautiful experience and it goes well. And that eased his mind and. um,
0: all oh, was well after that <laughs> it was just it's... and it, most of the time it won't go well so how old were you when you had your last your last baby Let's see I was 43 43 because that's the other thing when it comes to age once you get over 35 that's the other stressor that women worry about or you know they're not worried about it but the the system's worried about it so you had your baby oh, yeah. 43 you had your other one around 41 if it was two years difference so you're having your babies in your you know well into late 30s and 40s as well and um you know positive outcomes for all of your babies
1: yes I have not noticed that you know so many people say to me oh my goodness I don't know how you're still having babies at your age that's got to be so hard on your body um it honestly hasn't been i would say my most difficult ones were in my 30s when i wasn't taking care of myself <laughs> and yeah i've learned how to take care of my body and, and um
0: and by taking no care different. of your body you're talking about eating whole foods yes yeah yes
1: yeah um i actually went through the only time in my life I had infertility and miscarriages was in my early thirties. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I really started looking at my health and my body and making changes and um, realizing I had some thyroid issues that I needed to address. That wasn't the unhealthiest I've been. And since then I've been on that road to become just healthier and healthier.
0: So just whole foods, any supplements or anything, or just eating nutritious meals? Mostly eating nutritious meals,
1: but, you know, I do take iron supplements when I'm pregnant. And um, when I was, when I realized it was my thyroid that was causing my infertility and miscarriages, I took a thyroid supplement and you know, just an herbal thyroid supplement and I stayed on it for years mm. until probably just about a year or two ago when I just didn't feel like I needed it anymore.
0: Hmm. Well, that's interesting. And um, I think you have amazing stories to share. Thank you for sharing all 10 of your stories with us. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. I loved hearing all your stories and you know, everything that you went through. And I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours and hours just getting into all of those. But I really appreciate you taking the time. And um, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC home birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us want to follow along and get freebies and offerings find me on instagram ashley l winning and send me a dm to say hi and come and join our safe group on facebook just search feedback home support group until next time keep shining beautiful